hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. I want to position you today, and I want to talk to you a little bit today about what, what God, I really believe God is doing across the body of Christ. We talked a little bit about last week about how there's, we're already in the middle of this, this incredible uh, transference of wealth in the world, not in the church, but in the world. It's transferring. Uh, but I, I, gotta, I gotta make some things clear for everybody today um, that I probably could have made even more clear last week, is the, it, God owns everything. Do y'all, do y'all realize that? The, the, God owns it all. The Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. God is not just some subject to study. God is God. You can't study him enough and learn all of him. You can only learn of him what he chooses to reveal to you. He's God. He's he's all-knowing. He's just not smarter than the average guy. He's just not one step ahead. He's God. Does 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 that come to any kind of measure in your mind? He's, got, he's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere. He's everywhere you could possibly imagine. He's not, he's not just faster. He just doesn't get there quickly. He's everywhere. He says not real fast. He's everywhere. He's past, he's present, and he's in your future. He's not, he's not in time. Time is in him. He's so much instilling. God is in your past, even though you've moved past your past. Because he'll take your past and move it through your present into your future and turn it for your good. You can't do that, but he can. He can turn things around. He can take, listen, he, all of your sickness, all of your disease, all of your, your curses that are on you are back in the book of Genesis. In the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're on Jesus. Right? But many of us still are living back in Genesis. Even though we trust the cross, we don't know how to get from Genesis through the cross into our today. But God does. So your faith isn't in your ability to understand it all, your faith is in his ability to know it all. Because he's yesterday, today, and forever. Our faith is in him. And we put too much pressure on ourselves at times to try to figure and reason it all out when the reality of it is God only wants you to trust him and be faithful in your trust and faith towards him, not in your ability to understand him. Because some of the greatest blessings and the greatest breakthroughs I've ever experienced in my life, I never understood. Explain to me, I've seen it happen. I've seen tumors fall off necks. I've seen uh, broken bones put back together instantly. I've seen all that kind of thing happen and question it myself thinking, my God. And as soon as those things happen, I would begin to wonder, what did I just do or how did I just pray? Because I wanna be able to see that every time. And it doesn't work that way. Because if it was on my formula, God wouldn't be God. My faith is in him, not in my faith in how I do it. My faith is in him. So sometimes God chooses to take you through the process and sometimes he just takes you out of the process. But he's still God. 
Sometimes he'll move you out of an area and move you to a different region or change your whole location and you're thinking, how did this happen? Why did I make the mistakes or the decisions that I made, the choices that I made to get me where I was? And God says, if you'll quit dwelling on those things and just trust me and who I am, I can take your past, I can move it through your present and I can take you to a wonderful future. Why? Because I'm God. I'm God and you're not. Right? He's always gonna be God and you're never gonna be God, right? God looks over things that he set in place. In the book of Genesis, before the fall, he even put things in place like this. He put the sun and the moon in the sky, one to watch over the day and one to watch over the night. Now once God said let there be, he doesn't have to continue to say let there be. He's already said let there be. If God says anything else, it'll undo what he said he did. And it'll be a new rule and a new law. Right? He looks over, he doesn't have to go, gosh, that grass that I told to be green is now turning into water. He doesn't do that. He always looks over the things that he creates because it's his creation. And God looks at his creation and says, it is good. So everything God creates has to be good. Everything. We sometimes distort it, pervert it, and turn it out of sorts, but God's intent for it was good, and our faith in him and trust in him will turn it out for our good, even if we mess it up, even if we fail and fall straight on our face, even if we stumble across the road, God still has a way, turning it back towards him, trusting in him, because all he's looking for is a little bit of faith. He's not even looking for a lot of faith. He's just looking for a little bit of faith. He's looking for somebody that'll trust him in the process in the middle of the circumstance, just like every character in the Bible that we see that couldn't change the circumstance, but they trusted him in the circumstance. That's what he's looking for. Can you trust him when it doesn't look the way it's supposed to look? When it looks like you're going backwards instead of forwards? When, when, when everybody's coming against you, can you still trust him? Can you trust him when you're tired and you're weary and you're fatigued? Can you trust him with your energy and your strength when you don't feel like you have any energy and strength. When the whole business in the world and your employment is changing hands and, and it's a sweeping modification of the way you've always done it, can you still trust him? If it looks like you're going down instead of up, can you still trust him? He's looking for somebody just to believe him who he says he is. And even if you fall on your face, even if you lose your job, even if it doesn't turn out like you thought it would turn out, can you still trust him that he will somehow turn that thing together and work it together for your good? Will he always bring you to the place of promotion? God never demotes without promotion in his future. Because he doesn't kill, he doesn't destroy, he doesn't, he's not to steal, he doesn't take away without letting it go forward. He might prune you, he might purge you, but if he does, it's to accelerate you in your future. I'm just really like a little frustrated when I've seen all the craziness that's going on across the world today, even as of yesterday in Pittsburgh. There's craziness going on. I've never seen so much hate and bitterness, and there it is, Ernie, unforgiveness in the hearts of people in all my life. I've never seen it like it is right now. I mean, I've, I've, I've never, but I'll tell you something. You watch a couple of little six-year-old football players playing football, one being black and one being white. Nobody, they don't have a problem with it. That means somebody down the road, 
Somebody older than it's more experienced has a problem with it and begins instilling those kids. Tell me that you don't train up a child in the way it'll go. Because we instill those values in these young people. And then they grow up to be wild and weird and out there, and then we shake our head at it, when in reality, we've got an opportunity when they come in here to the church to fill up those rooms and pour into those kids' hearts and heads the love of God and who they really are. That there is no difference between the black and the race and the white. There is no difference between, there, Jesus even said there's even no difference in the Jew and the Greek in the kingdom. So every time you see that kind of garbage that's happening out there, everybody else wants to legislate it, but I'm gonna tell you right now, you cannot legislate the heart. I don't care how hard every rule and law you pass, it will not change the heart of somebody. All the law will do will take you to the point of to know you break it or not. The 70 mile per, uh, speed limit on sign on 64 is to tell you when you're going over it. I have never, ever been pulled over by a state trooper going 65 miles an hour and got an ice cream cone reward. They don't pull you over for doing good. They don't, they pull you over for doing bad. The, the law is for you to, for those that break the law. But God said in the word that he would take the tablets of the stone and write them on our hearts. So a person that's truly been born again has the want to, to do good. You have the want to, to do well. It's in you to be and act righteous. It's in you. It's, it goes against your character to talk about somebody. It goes against your character to degrade somebody else. It goes against your righteousness and your character to, to profile somebody else out there that's not like, just like you. It goes against you. It's not who you are. It's not who they are. And I'll be doggone on, if that's a word, I'll be doggone if we have this church in the next 20 or 30 years and transfer it to the next generation that we don't grow up a bunch of young people that love people. I'm not talking about loving by being doormats. I'm talking about lovers of truth, standing for truth, standing for what's right, standing in the face of adversity and says, no, 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 you don't understand. I know God. I don't know just about him, but I know him. I don't know just about his nature, I know his nature. I not, not only know his actions, but I know his ways. I know how he thinks. That's what these kids need to grow up and learn. When it, things get bad and things get tough, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that's either God or it's not God. Am I talking to anybody today? So the world is not for something for us to stare at and shake our head at because politics have gone down the tube and down the drain. It's not for something I just look at and say, God, look at society, it's down the day, drain. The church should be influencing society and culture. But it starts right in here. It starts with us. It starts looking at the, yourself and your home. I can't change Pittsburgh, but I can certainly change my address. When Caden wakes up and says, I don't feel like going to church today. I really don't care how you feel. Because I don't feel like getting up and going to work on Monday. But I go. Get yourself up, we're going to church. It's not something that we do because we bless the people that come here and it makes us feel good and we made our attention. There's something that should exchange in the church 
that when they come here, there's a deposit made in their life and a withdrawal made from other people from their life and an exchange that says, we're the body, we're growing, we're maturing, and we're gonna make a difference when we go. So when Monday does roll around and he's in school and a kid falls down and they think he broke his leg, Caden grabs all of the kids together and he rounds them up. He says, we're gonna pray in the public school. And he grabs them all together. He says, I'll lead in the prayer. Last week, we played in football, football season down here. We, we played Tulsa, and they beat us bad. And the season ended. But at the end of the game, 50-yard line, here's our guys. Tulsa's over here on their 50, and they're meeting in the middle. And as our guys came through, and they looked up to their guys, shaking their hands, because they were men. Our guys were boys. They were tall. They had two guys over, three guys over 290. Caden's 108, wet. He went up against a 290 pound fella, number 33. Caden can tell you everything about him. It was good. At the end of the game, they were shaking hands and we got together. We all met in the middle of the field and everybody, Tulsa took a knee and we took a knee and we looked at each other and I said, hey, it's our custom that we pray after each practice and every game. And I looked down, at the beginning of the season, I only had two kids that would pray, Caden and another kid. I said, we're gonna pray. They all, they said, go right ahead. They took off their, their helmets, their knees, everybody's on one knee, coaches had their hats off. And I said, anybody, who's gonna pray over here? And we, had, we started out the season with 11 or 12 kids. We ended up growing up to about 19. I had five or six kids going, I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll pray. And you know what? They didn't just pray some token prayer. Those kids got a hold of the God. And little Parker Phillips grabbed a hold of that thing. He said, I'll pray. And man, you should have heard the prayer he prayed. I looked over and one of the guys on Tulsa, the coaches Tulsa, had tear running down his eyes. And I'm looking there thinking to myself, that's what this is about. That's what we practice on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Now don't get me wrong, I'm glad football season's over. I'm glad it's over, I need the break. But while we were in that season, we were impacting those kids. But most of those kids come to church here on Sunday that never were going to church anywhere else. One of our coaches goes and picks them up and brings them. And they can't wait to get to church on Sundays. Now they come on Wednesdays. And they have football games after church out here on the back parking lot. And they try to hurt each other. We haven't got them completely discipled yet. We're working on it. All right? But I'm t- what I'm telling you is we're making a difference. Now that's kids. And that's really where a lot of this has to go because these young people are gr- growing up. But what about the adults? What, what is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Where has the church gotten so far away removed from where the, the reality of what this thing is all about? We've gotten so far off course. Can I tell you what happened? Do you remember in the Bible where Jesus was in the garden and, and he had the garden of Gethsemane and he was getting ready to be crucified and he was praying with great uh, uh, sweat, with great, like, great drops of blood. Then, then all of a sudden, here comes the Roman soldiers to come and get him. And when they came and got him, there was Peter, which there's a lot, of, a lot of people I know like Peter. I'm probably more like Peter than I am John. But Peter's here, and Peter takes out the sword, and the Roman and soldier, the Roman soldier comes to, to take Jesus. Peter takes the sword and cuts off the ear of the Roman soldier. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, what are you doing? 
He picks up the ear, puts it back on the Roman soldier. See, Peter represents the church in that picture. See, we're cutting off the ear with the sword and wonder why they can't hear. We've taken the sword of the spirit, sliced off the side of the ear of the world that are coming looking for Jesus. Even though they were coming to crucify him, Jesus would say, at least, I'm, at least they're coming after me. Let them come after me. They don't know why they're coming after me, but let them come after me. And all these people that are deranged and craziness that's going on across the country, I'm telling you, they're searching for something that's deeper within themselves. They don't understand how to get there. But as long as the church becomes another contributor to, to analyze it and not have the voice or the message for this generation, we're gonna continue to see things fall apart. So it starts here. It starts with you and me. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can't cast stones at Pittsburgh or cast stones at, at Washington, D.C. when it ain't all right all here. What is your house? What is the vision for your home? See, we're doing Pro 3 to, so it's a picture and so it's a template and a prototype so you have an example of what you can do at your house. We're doing it as a collectively as a, as a community of believers. That's why it's three years, because it doesn't happen overnight. That's why there's gotta be a vision of objectives. It's gotta become tangible. And if you think it don't cost money in your house to have a vision, you're hallucinating. It costs money to send kids to college. It costs money to help a kid that's just soon just got married. It costs money to have little kids that wanna be involved in things. It costs, it costs money to have a wife and it has cost money to have a husband whether you know it or not. It costs, and the church doesn't talk about it because it offends everybody. And somebody in the 80s and 90s misled people and took it for its own worth and, 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 and did all kinds of crazy stuff. But listen, don't get caught up in all of that. Start in your house. What kind of home do you have? How do you talk to your children? Do you cut their ear off and then try to get them to listen, Peter? Do you scream at them until they're deaf and they can't hear and they tone you out? And then you go, is it up and down? Is it roller coaster? I'm on a soapbox today. It feels yeah. good, it feels good. I'm talking to myself. What kind of house are you creating? The Bible says there's, there, there's neither male nor female in the kingdom. There's neither G, Greek nor Jew, nor slave, nor free in the kingdom, right? So, so when husband and wife come together as a home, you both come together and the highest level of authority in your house mm -hmm. is the masculine side of your home. Authority is masculine, God, it's his. So when you come together, 
you come together in agreement. If, 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 I, if, I took, if I took Steve, Steve and Tina for just example, as, an, as a, an example, and Steve and Tina, Steve being the male, Tina being the female, come together, and they say, we're going to agree to save $1,000. We got $1,000, we're gonna put it in the savings account. If Steve as the male, Tina as the female, come together and agree that $1,000 goes in the savings account, they now have entered into agreement, and they both took the masculine role of authority in their home. Amen. They just said order. Right? Now, both he and her, her being a female, because they came into agreement, set the, the, the agreement, the order in the house. You all following what I'm saying? Right? The minute they agree, Steve and Tina now take on the feminine role of the house and submit to it. They just submitted to what they agreed to. No male or female in the kingdom. Right? Steve, Tina, agree as male, authority. Once they agree, they now submit on what they agree to, female, feminine. If Steve goes out and says, I just need 50 bucks or 100 bucks, I'm gonna take it out of the savings account. If Steve goes out and takes $100 out of the savings account, are you getting this? Amen. He doesn't tell a Tina, and they don't re-agree, he just broke the order of his house. If she says no, and he does it anyway, he broke the order of his house. And he'll sleep outside for the next two or three days. It gets really bad. Are you hearing what I'm telling you, though? You said it. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. What is your house? Not what Pittsburgh or Washington, D.C. or Hollywood is. What's your house? Your house becomes an extension our house becomes, this church house becomes an extension of your house. The Bible says, Adam knew Eve. There's not very many kids in here. They've already been dismissed, so I can say this to you. Adam knew Eve. They came together and had a son. He knew her, right? Knowing her is different than having sex with her. Knowing her means they had intimacy. And the child was birthed out of intimacy. You don't birth children out of sex, you birth children out of intimacy. Because out of intimacy come order and infrastructure. Because two people came together to create that infrastructure and order. If it's just out of sex, the child comes and there's no order in the house or infrastructure in the house, the kid grows up without structure. Amen. So he learns to live outside of the boundaries of relationship. Adam knew Eve. The problem with the church in the last couple of decades, we've been so caught up on getting numbers and decisions and rededications and getting numbers and getting numbers, and building new buildings to get more numbers, and we get, so we build, we get people saved out of not relationship. So we don't know them, their products, so they don't come into church with any structure, infrastructure, order. So then they grow up, they've been around a while, and then 
the, the financial start, I'm just gonna tell you how it really is. The financial situation starts dying off in the church, so the pastor or the leaders have to get up and get mad at the people because they don't know how to live in structure when we birth them out of structure. I want converts, I want people getting saved out of relationship. Into a structure that's healthy and whole. You wouldn't have a child out of your, in your home that wasn't gonna be grown up into something you're creating for them. Now, many people have done it. Then they get saved and realize, my God, I gotta make some changes. You bring people in. Listen to me. God, I am all over the place this morning, but I can feel this, so this is my heart's beating so hard right now. There's a caravan of thousands of people making their way here. Thousands. They're looking for freedom and opportunity. Even though there was a killing of 11 people yesterday, even though craziness has happened all over this country, they would rather make the trip to come into a place of what looks like chaos because this chaos is better than the hell they've been living. Because the freedom and opportunity, right? But if we as a country, that's why we have those laws in place. So we can bring them in, in structure. Because if they come in in structure, they live in structure. It won't be foreign to them. The argument is not, we gotta have mercy on those people. Yes, we have to have mercy on those people. No, we don't want separate from every family. And I'm getting really political right now, and I never do this. But the reality of it is, you can't, you wouldn't just let 30 people in your neighborhood pull in living in your house. Amen. They would change your culture in your home. They'll infect your kids, because how they are will be in your house. But you start bringing in one, adopting one at a time, or two at a time, or three, at a time, and you bring them into a structure that you set. They conform and learn how to live in freedom. Yes. Hmm. How am I going to get out of this? I've just been on my soapbox the last couple of days because I'm, I'm talking to people and I'm tired of people's opinion that don't have any factual basis. When, when they're calling me because their house is falling apart, but they know exactly what Trump ought to do. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, let's just set the record straight. We've all come short of the glory of God. And ain't nobody got it right. Nobody's got a perfect home. Nobody. That doesn't give you a reason to be able to talk about everybody else's home because theirs might be a little bad or worse than yours. It's time for us to get our house right. Are Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't talk to her that way. She deserves more than that. She's a queen. She deserves more. He's a king. He deserves more. You don't just, you gotta treat him. The kids are princes and princes. They're raised up in the, it's time to get the house in order. Because God is wanting to pour out a blessing on your home that you don't even have room enough to withstand. And he's trying to get your character in a place that where he starts pouring out the multiples and multiples of blessings that you'll be able to handle it with character. It won't change you. 
You'll make deposits into the church. You'll bring that healthy structure that you have in your home and you'll bring it into the church and you'll start volunteering in the kids' ministry. Why? Because the children have needs. No, because you have something to deposit. This need-based church thing is crazy. It's gone by benevolence. I was a part of, we'd have help wanted and we'd have all this kind of stuff and these, 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 these the trade shows and all these things to get people to come in and hey, can you help me here, can you help me here? Oh my God. <sighs> no, it's a body of believers that God has assembled together and called you here. If you're called here to join to the hip with the church, our church, this body, this local set of believers, we're gonna connect with other bodies. But this body has to be healthy, or if we connect to another body, we don't have anything healthy to give them. Nobody's looking to start a new ministry on another night. We all got stuff to do. Right? But these kids are worth it. You're worth it to me. You're worth it to me. I was on the phone the other night for a couple of hours probably with somebody, with a family. And they must have apologized 30 times for taking all my time. And I'm going, listen to me. This is an investment. I'm making a deposit. This is, worth, this is not work to me. I'm not sweating. You're not taking away from me. I'm giving it to you because I desire to give it to you. What's your house look like? What is it if you picked it up and replicated it across town? What would it be? What if we cloned it, which we would never do? If you picked it up and put it over there, what would it look like? Here's where I'm getting to. Is your house a house of peace? A house of prayer? A house of patience? A house of worship? A house of honor? What is your house? You better have a vision. You better be able to identify what it is. Because I promise you, the people that visit you, they know. Is it a house of peace? Well, if if you want it to be a house of peace, then you have to have some objectives that support actions that support the house of peace. You don't have a house of peace because you say you have a house of peace. No more than you say you have a church because you just have a church. If it's a house of peace, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Makes a house of peace. If you want to have a house of prayer, do you pray together? Or do we talk about praying together? Is prayer a priority or is it something we just do when we go to bed? Is it the first thought you're raising up or is it somewhere in your day or is it behind in the day? Then if it's behind, it's not a house of prayer. I'm not saying it to indict, I'm just saying it, it is. I want, a house of, I want to have a house of hospitality, somebody told me. I want to have a house of hospitality. When's the last time you had people over to your house?
you don't understand. I've got the bathroom needs to be remodeled. The kids need to be this. The bedrooms need to be painted. The get, boy, I got to get this. I don't. I understand. And look, trust me. If you're with the mind, you'd see the same thing. But all those things will stop you from being a house of hospitality. I'm not telling you what you should have your house to be. Your house is tailored based on what God made inside of you. It's, you, you can't try to look at somebody else's house and try to mimic that. It's what he made in you. It's what your natural tendencies and grace is to do. If you're, if you're that way, you're that way, whatever that way is. So whatever that is, then build around it. And he, made, and he gave you a spouse that, that walks with you in that, in that same way. She may be different than you, he may be different than you, but together it makes up you. Right? right? Is this making sense? Yeah. So what if I don't have a husband and a wife and I'm single? You have the best of all worlds. You don't have to consider somebody else. Be what you want it to be. Consult with yourself. And if you're still arguing, make a counseling appointment. You see what I'm talking about? You just, it's, it, it's, it's it, well, I'm a single mother, the single father. Then it's you. It starts with you. What do you want your house to be? Well, if I, I tell you, everybody talks about it. It's gonna take a grassroots effort. I'll tell you what, grassroots is your house and my house. And then two houses become one. And then three houses become one. And then we all come in here and share our, our similarities and our differences. And then we celebrate those differences. And we celebrate the wins and we celebrate the, and we suffer with the losses. And sometimes things are up and sometimes things are down. And we don't have to have all the answers. We just know God does. And because things don't work out to think we, you can't quit. I mean, I, I love what David Kirby said to somebody here the other day, or David came up to me and he said, I just told the guy, he said, man, it's, you got two choices. It's gonna turn out one way or the other. There's only two options. God was with you when it turned out one way and he never failed you when it turned out the other. So guess what? Either way it turns, one way or the other, it's still gonna turn out in your favor, right? It has to. So the option is, and I know people right now that are going through stuff that's happened, it's been going on for years. And you're going, my God, how much longer? One guy told me, he said, I'm done then quit. Let me know how that works for you. That won't work either. And here's the problem. You got too much in him and he's got too much of him in you. Your quit won't last long. Once you get over yourself, I've done it. It lasts about two hours. Then you still quit quit feeling sorry for yourself and you have to come up out of it, right? When you, especially if you got people around you that are not gonna feel sorry for you too. They're gonna let you sit there for a few, but just a little bit, I'll give you an hour, we'll come back. And an hour goes by and they're ready to say, are you ready to get up? We got stuff to do. Amen. God's building a, a representation of who he is in the earth. And because of the, his absence, the church has abdicated our responsibility like God's gonna do something way up there. And in heaven, it looks like a real church. But it should like, if it looks like a, a real church in heaven, it should look like a real church on the earth. Because ain't nobody getting killed up there. But they certainly are getting beat up pretty bad over here. 
And I know there's all kinds of reasons. There's mental illness. There's all these things that need to be addressed as a culture and as a society and all of that. But we've got to, and I can't change all of that. But I certainly can look at my own home and start making the vision and adjustments for my house and say, this is it. And here's the thing. Whatever you say you're gonna do, just do it. Amen. And keep doing it. Yeah. You can't quit because it don't work out in two weeks. Amen. Stay with it. Give it long enough to, because perhaps it could be that while it's not breaking through like you wanted it to, maybe God's doing some work in you while it's still moving forward. I just want to throw in a towel. There's no, here's, and here's my church, church, no, church language. My season is over in that area. Oh, your season's not over? Amen. It never, never bore fruit, so it never come around to the freeze fruit season. Stay with it until it does. If it never bore fruit, then you didn't stay with it long enough or prune it long enough for it to grow fruit. I don't think she's... I, I just, she's not the one for me. Well, maybe you're not the one for her. Why don't you go ahead and divorce her for, for her sake? How'd that work? Will that be okay? Oh, gosh. No. Don't rationalize silliness. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't rationalize that stuff within your head because you'll talk yourself into something that's totally devilish and think it's from God. Tag his name to it. I've seen people do it. I have seen people do it. You cannot help what happened yesterday, but you are responsible from 1226 on for what I said today. And the decisions and the choices that we're making moving forward have to go. And I'm here today not to cut your ear off. I'm putting your ear back on so you can hear what the Lord is saying. That's what I'm really doing today. I wanna to attach this thing so you can hear, listen, they came at Jesus to crucify him and he was saying, it's okay, they're still coming after me. Let them come after me, it'll work for your good. It's okay. Don't be the defender of Christ when Peter, you got stuff going on in your own home. You don't need to set the record straight Shut your blinds, shut your door, and get it right within your house. Yes. I'm not saying it's ever gonna be perfect, but don't give excuses for it. Yeah. <laughs> what do y'all think? Amen. And once you start leaning into it, Things start changing. And I'm not being political. I don't care. Who, I'm not telling you who to vote for. But you, have, you can't respond. You can't like one social media post about politics if you don't get out and vote. Amen. Don't even like one, you'd be a hypocrite. Don't like one if you don't vote. You go vote, then you can like one whichever one you voted for. Don't matter to me. I've just had a conversation with a guy the other day. He doesn't even, he's, not, he's not a Christian guy, but he's very opinionated and he's, more, he's smarter than all the Christians put together. He's one of those guys. 
And he said this to me. He said, hey, he said, uh, I'm just not even going to go vote this year. I'm not even voting. I said, really? He said, no, I'm not even voting. He said, they just all turned my stomach. I said, God, I said, you missed the deadline to register. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you should have run. If they all turn your stomach to vote, then you should have been in the race. Because there's probably people just like you feeling the same way that would have voted for you. And then I said, unless you would have turned their stomach too. He laughed. He said, I'll never get into politics. I said, you're already in it. You just started this conversation. And it has, and, and, and I'm, I'm throwing this around a little bit today because it's the season that we're in. But I, I, I promise you this, this thing will come and it will go in two weeks, the season of politics and voting for this type of thing. But your home will remain. Your home will be what it is. Oh God, it's gotta, we gotta get it right. Because if I project out three years or five years of what the church is supposed to look like, it has to be stronger and more courageous and bolder, bolder and mature than it is today because I know the world for sure is gonna get worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you already see it. It's getting worse and worse and worse. And the answer is not gonna be more government programs. The answer's gotta be the church. And we can't just talk about the church as an institution without talking to the church as the people. And the people, not as just a local body, but the people individually make up the local body. It's us. It's your house. It's my house. Who are you gonna feed Thanksgiving, get dinner to this year that can't afford it? Now, I'm not telling you, listen, I'm not telling you to go look for somebody. I'm telling you just not turn your head when there is somebody. Because I don't go bar in trouble but I certainly don't turn my head when I see it either. Are we good? I feel like we need to, to move to another place as a body. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you don't have agreement at home and you're doing everything you know to do? That's what you do. If, if, if she's not with you or he's not with you, you do what you know to do. God will honor this. And before you know it, a little leaven, leaven's the whole lump. You begin to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And I promise you, eventually, the kingdom that's functioning in you will have increase and it'll begin to affect the people that are around you. It does. It's just the way it works. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but it just does. Would you stand with me? I was going to Matthew chapter nine, verse 11, but we'll do that next time. I'm just feeling something stirring in my heart. I feel like we need to pray. I feel like we need to pray. And I feel like we need to pray not only for our Pro 3, because we got prayer guides out there for you all to take with you and pray with over those things as well for the week. Six o'clock tonight, I'd like to have you back here. Those of you that didn't come to the last meeting, would you come back tonight at six for one hour? And we're gonna talk specifically about how this all affects you and the region and your home. We're not starting campaigns that doesn't affect you. I'm not, I refuse to do it. It's gotta be you.
It's gotta affect you. I'm gonna pray for our whole campaign that we're going through, but I wanna then pray for you. So Father, in Jesus' holy name, we believe that you're God. And we believe that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. So Father, we lift up our, our Pro 3 initiative to you, our three objectives, our three million and our three years in the term. But God, we don't hold you to, to those. We know that you're able to do above and beyond all we could ever ask or think. And we know, God, that you're moving in great ways, even in this past week with this refrigerator donated and 107,000 already, all of that. God, we, we thank God for, we thank you for all of that. But God, I believe you know the hearts of your people that are gathered here. And I believe you know that Lord, we're not trying to do something that's already been done. We're trying to use these as a tool to build homes and families that are gonna build and change cities that'll end up changing states in this country. And Father, we're gonna do it one family at a time, one person at a time. So we lift up this initiative to you and we say, God, bless it. Bless it and, and, and go beyond our expectations in all that you do. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to be able to come to you and petition you and lay it before you and say, God, would you bless this? We know that you will, we know that you have. And I'm asking you, Father, as the pastor of this church, as a senior leader amongst the many leaders in this place and amongst the body, you've assembled a group of people here, God, that are hungry after your heart. We come from differences of backgrounds, history of church histories and, and denominational backgrounds and faith backgrounds. And some of us, Lord, came straight out of the world. But Lord, you've brought us to this place in 2018 with our experiences, some good and some bad, some wins and some losses, some victories and some setbacks, some questions and some answers. And you brought us all here. And I'm asking, Father, for a real specific direction for every household that's here today and watching by the sound of the, the internet. I'm asking, Father, for a real specific instruction, a vision, a clear one that sees tra radical transformation take place in marriages, in children, in children's children and grand and great-grandchildren, in neighborhoods, in schools, in businesses, in hospitals and health communities, in government agencies. I'm asking, Lord, that you do what only you can do. I'm asking you to inspire. I'm asking you to initiate. And I'm asking you, Lord, to anoint your people for the times that we're living in to provide the answers and solutions for their home in their prosperity, in their peace, in their house of prayer, in their house of hospitality, in whatever house that you're creating for them, you provide that house that it can be a light on that neighborhood, a light in that city, a light that's set on a hill, a city, God, that's set up to you, that the world will know they're not haughty, they're not arrogant, they're blessed, and they know where their source comes from. We thank you, Father, and I bless every family that's represented in this Expression Church in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all.